You're listening to Liberty NZ. My name's Grant Edwards. Coming up, we're speaking with Brother John McClone from Kentucky. John is a 22-year U.S. Navy navigator. He's retired now from the Navy. And uh, John is going to be talking to us about biblical cosmology. The Lord Jesus, you know, he he was a servant to all. He served he served all of mankind with his body, uh, and that's really what had to break our hearts. You know, we if we've never had a broken heart about the love that Jesus showed us on the cross, then we're we're not saved. We're not converted. Mm. You know, that had to be. The Bible talks about a circumcision of our heart, and that uh, Psalm thirty four, the Bible says, God saves those that be of a broken heart. I just encourage you to to think about that. You know, he died for everything that you ever did wrong. And the way I like to say, I think I said to your dad the other day, and and that is anything good or wise that I I have or do or say is because of the Lord. But all the foolishness and stuff that I've done and could do or or do do uh, is all my, uh, my weakness and my, you know, it's, it's me. I can take no, anything wise that I have is because the Lord gives us liberally. Okay, yeah. from from himself, you know, from the Holy Spirit instructing us. So we're just uh, animated dirt, you know. We're animated. You know, we all a- come from Adam, and Adam was made from dirt. So, but actually, hopefully, can I've always wondered. I don't really know how, you know. Obviously, the gyro the gyroscopes. I'm sure you you've heard of this. this yes, uh, of course. Mm-hmm. People say, "Oh, well, then how does a gyro work?" Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's based on electromagnetism. So that electromagnetic force is what's moving things to center. We talked about it yesterday. And there's a, you can look it up on your own if you want to write down the idea of toroidal, T-O-R-O-I-D-A-L, toroidal electromagnetic sphere. And basically, that is the shape of electromagnetic force upon the face of the earth or upon the right. globe, whatever, whatever shape it is. It's, it's going to have this force that's, according to Tesla, and he believed in a terrarium type idea as well. We talked about that yesterday, too. But so this toroidal electromagnetic force comes down at the North Pole or the Center Pole. It's downward pushing. That's why we have problems with the uh, gyroscopes and the mag- you know, magnetic compasses towards the northern latitudes because yep. the, it's no longer vertical. It is now, uh, excuse me, it's no longer horizontal force. It's a vertical force. Okay. Yeah. So this vertical force is coming down at the center and this electromagnetism moves through the the seas of the oceans of the world out towards the edge and comes back up within the terrarium back to the top of the terrarium to the zenith over the center and back down again. And this electromagnetic force is what drives the winds, the currents, the ocean tides. The moon and the sun are generating that force by the hand of God. So as the moon and the sun are, are moving about the face of the earth from the east to the west, and it's kind of very complicated dance that they do, you know, moving between the Tropic of Cancer uh, to the equator, to the Tropic of Capricorn and back up again. The moon does that monthly. The sun does that biannually. And uh, so, you know, 
that those movements are generating power between uh, what I believe is a plasma generator. The sun is a plasma generator, a, a, a very powerful force. Right. And the moon is like a battery that gets charged by that plasma. You know, so the moon is not reflecting the, the light uh, of the sun. It cannot be because it's a different frequency. Yeah. The light of the moon is septic and the light of the sun is antiseptic. So yeah. if it was a reflection, they would both be antiseptic light, just varying levels. So that is impossible scientifically to understand that or, or put that forth that it's just a reflector. Um, anyway, as I, as I was saying, so going back to the gyroscope, so the gyroscope is driven by electromagnetic force. And uh, there was a movie done, a uh, documentary done for Flat Earthers that actually kind of exposed a, a hypocrisy amongst them. They had bought a digital di uh, gyroscope and attempted to, to do experiments to prove that the Earth was stationary and movable forever. Okay. And when it did not do that, when it still moved, uh, at a thousand miles per hour at the equator is what the equation or the formula ended up proving. So the, they said, Oh, well, uh, well, we can't, this is going to ruin, you know, it's going to ruin flat earth. It's going to destroy what we've been promoting and all. And they were talking in secret, but the documentarian, the guy, the producer was doing, uh, he was secretly uh, videotaping them and he had them uh, mics all over the area where and they, they heard what they were saying as they were colluding to try and suppress the information that the digital gyroscope was disproving flat earth. Right. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't, they didn't just seek the Lord about it more. I, I'm not sure they're Christians, but so the, uh, I have no problem with the, the digital gyroscope proving in a sense that the earth is moving at a thousand miles per hour, according to the instrumentation. Mm. Okay, that's that's their, their perception, but it's not the Earth that's moving. It is the electromagnetic force that's moving. So the the Earth is stable and stationary, just like God says. But the power of the Sun and the Moon, that electromagnetic force, is moving all the time. It is generated all the time. So because they're they're trying to disprove that the Earth is, they're looking at the wrong proof trying to prove the wrong thing instead of just saying, well, what do we need to prove here? The, the, the instrument is telling us something is happening, but we just agree that it's happening. Obviously the instrument's not going to lie to us. Mm. And at the equator, it's a thousand miles per hour is the electromotive force moving from the East to the West is true. It's an invisible force, but it's a measurable force, but that does not mean the face of the earth or the earth itself is moving a bit does not mean that. Mm. So I believe in, in gyroscopes and I, I'm no expert on it either, but, but those rudimentary things I do understand. And so because I just trust God and believe what he says, I have to, I have to come up with a different explanation. So yes, those electromagnetic forces are there. The toroidal spheres, there was a very good video a couple of years ago that had been put out about this very idea about the toroidal sphere. And unfortunately, the channel was deleted. The video is gone forever. And, you know, pointing back to that kind of evidence, why, why do you have to suppress information if you think it's not true and you can prove it's not true? We're, yeah. we're, 
you know, the truth is knowable. I, I believe that. And if I'm wrong about flat earth, I'm willing to talk to anybody about it. And you can show me what your ideas are. And, and uh, I don't know everything, but I know the one who does. I, I know Jesus Christ. And because I know him, he gives uh, liberally wisdom to those who seek him. So anyway, that's my explanation about the, the gyroscope. I, I think it's decent. And we don't, you know, we, we can use the law of uh, entropy. We can use the law of centrifugal force. We can use the law of centripetal force to disprove uh, these ideas about the, you know, the earth moving at a thousand miles per hour. Obviously, we see the heavenly bodies are moving. God said he stopped the sun, right? So if he stopped the sun, and if we're in a heliocentric system, if that were to happen, then there should have been huge worldwide ramifications that were not recorded. See, that's why the Bible is not true. <laughs> but if God did stop the sun, and I believe that, uh, because he can do that, he can darken the sun. And the Bible says in the latter days, God will darken the sun, will turn the moon to blood. Whew. Okay, so I'm waiting for that to happen. Oh, and God says the stars will fall to the face of the earth. So if a third of the stars fall out, out of the firmament to the face of the earth, or if they fall from outer space, obviously we have a huge problem because the first star, that is our sun, which is a million times larger than the earth, will completely obliterate uh, the earth, the, the globe, right? Completely yeah. obliterate it. The first, the first strike of the sun. God uses plural and in fact says one third of the innumerable stars will fall to the earth. But uh, the Bible refers to stars as angels. Okay. So I think those, those lights that we see in the sky ever repeating the same order uh, are either actual angels or at least representing the angels. I think they're actual angels. And, I'm coming uh, to that position too, John, that both stars are in fact angels. Those shooting stars we see are angels moving swiftly. The, uh, yeah. the angels that are um, wandering stars. That's what you right. said uh, the other day. Yesterday, stars. yeah. Planetos in the Greek means wandering star. So those planets, Mars, Jupiter, Venus, they're, they're uh, out of order stars. I actually believe they're chief, chief demonic angels. They're mm -hmm. out of order. They're right. not following God. They're not, and uh, imagine how much bad demonic doctrine has been developed and propagated across humanity by the the worship of these planetas, mm. right? The worship of these stars, right? Uh, just the uh, astrological system, the zodiac system, right? Not astronomical, but astrological, where. They take and worship the constellations and worship these uh, these stars. So why are they doing that? Well, because the devils desire to be worshipped, and heathen desire to worship anything but Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's a. Uh, no, I can't. Uh, I, I'm not saying that absolutely. I mean, there are some ignorant cultures and ignorant tribes that are just worshiping according to their knowledge. But, but to you and I have had this discussion, Brother Grant, and that is that. You know, everybody has a knowledge of God. You know, John 3 says we've been given light. Humanity has been given the light of Jesus, but we'd rather remain in the darkness of our sin. Mm. And that, that's the problem. Okay, and so then we have that. Then we have 
creation itself described in Romans 1 as evidence for the creator. Then we have the law written on our hearts. That's Romans 2. And we're accountable to that. And, and Romans 3 says even the Gentiles, excuse me, Romans 2 says the Gentiles do it. They do the law. They, so like when I have something stolen from me, I get offended, right? But then mm -hmm. yesterday I stole something from somebody. So, you know, it's okay if I steal something, but it's not good if somebody steals from me. You see how that's arbitrary and inconsistent. So, and that's why the law is there because there, there must be a transcendent being over all humanity that gave all of us this law written on our hearts because every culture has don't murder. Every culture yeah. has, you shouldn't lie, honor your parents, uh, respect God or respect the gods that we're teaching you about. And uh, those kind of things. But only the Judeo-Christian God says, you shall have no other gods before me. And you should not bow down and worship an image. Well, that destroys 99% of the religions out there are destroyed by those two laws mm. that are written on every heart. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, very, very important for us to understand. And, and Galatians 3.24 says that, that the law is a tutor or a teacher to bring us to Christ. Each human being must understand we've broken that law, agree that we've broken that law, and that we agree that there must be a lawgiver from above and that he sent his son Jesus to die to give us mercy. You know, he reached down to us with his son and allowed or did that love sacrifice at the cross. And uh, very important stuff. Yeah, mm. I, I want to give Sebastian a chance to uh, ask any other question. That was a great question about the... Uh, the gyroscope, brother. I really no, no, that was only that was all just sort of came to my mind. That's a good one. Can't think of other things. No, I don't know. How do you explain the eclipse? The eclipse. Well, that's, a, that's a good one. Would you uh, would you say that's a good question, uh, Sebastian? I would. I suppose yeah. I would. Yeah. Right. So we have uh, two heavenly bodies, the sun and the moon, uh, and they have to be. This is how modern science is calculated that the sun has to be 93 million miles away and a million times bigger than the size of the moon because they're the same size. Yeah. <laughs> During eclipses, they're the same size, right? Uh, or at least the way they appear to us, they're the same size. You know, one cancel, whether it's a lunar eclipse or a solar eclipse, we have uh, it's got to be the same size to, to make this happen. And uh, so Therefore, their astronomical uh, formula has to be 93 million miles away and a million times larger, even though they haven't been there with a ruler to measure it. You follow what I'm saying? Cool. Yeah. So, but if we, if we just make the supposition that the, first of all, that Genesis chapter one is true, that there's a firmament and uh, that firmament and described by God is a hardened expanse. And that he put the sun and the moon inside that firmament. So uh, the star of the sun and the moon has to be much closer than we suppose. We've always been taught. We've always supposed. And so if that's true, and I had a, a uh, actual video on my YouTube channel about it, but there was a, a commercial pilot and his brother's an engineer. One lived in Colorado, I think, and the other in Arkansas. I don't remember the particulars of it, but they both took a digital sextant. I can't remember the name of the exactly the, the instrument they used, but 
-hmm. was similar to a sextant, but it was a uh, just a surveying device, digital device. They measured the angle from the lower limb of the moon um, to the surface of the earth where they were in each location. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they calculated uh, multiple times. They did this. Uh, they marked the time. We're on the phone with each other. Marked the time at the same time. And so you get two, you know, two triangles that you can measure with. And they came up, the, I think, two ninety five, two hundred ninety five miles above the face of the Earth. Two hundred ninety seven another time. And I'm not saying that's true. If that's true, then you know the sun, and the moon can only be like 30, 50 miles across. <laughs> what what uh so but i'm not supposing that i i don't know that i haven't done that calculation myself but but that's what they were saying oh it can only be and then they took their calculations they took their information to a local university in colorado and they confirmed yep those things are are what you recorded on your device uh the date and time the moon was there that was the angle all that stuff and uh, those uh, trigonometric functions are exactly correct. But we don't believe what you're saying about the moon being 300 miles away. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if the moon is 300 miles away, that means that, that if the International Space Station is up there floating around, there's actually people on it. They're flying by it, you know, mm. pretty close, pretty close. But I, I don't suppose that. I suppose anywhere between that zenith of 10,000 800 nautical miles to the top of the terrarium anywhere in there could be a thousand miles away could be 5,000 miles away and as I explained to your dad the other day uh, that I think their their altitude is increasing and decreasing as they dance around they, they do their their dance around the pole so to speak their altitude is not staying the same now we it's predictive. You you can take the nautical almanac, as you probably know, and predict where the sun, you know, the azimuth of the sun and the altitude at a certain particular time, Greenwich, and then you know, use your longitude and where you even if you're just dead reckoning, you know, I think I'm here uh, today, and you can uh, deduce from that uh, the local apparent noon or or the the polar yep. star. You can do all those things, and. Uh, uh, how it but it's impossible it is absolutely impossible to have these systems these different uh beetle and pollux and all the different stars continually repeating the same pattern century yeah. after century millennia after many repeating the same patterns I impossible if we're flying through space everything's flying out from the center those angles and azimuths have to constantly change constantly change it could not it is impossible mathematically and the ptolemaic uh, uh, formulas for the geocentric system work are just as valid any good astronomer will agree with that that ptolemy's math math is still valid today as it was in his day and the copernican system that came and kepler's system came and, and uh, perverted that and put these other ideas into mankind's head and we've been lying ever since to try and and we're coming up with, with the uh, black holes and all these parallel universes, all these other things to try and explain away uh, what we're seeing up there in the sky. Now, even in this picture, you look on the right side, there's Milky Way, right? Which is not depicted properly. But, but uh, if it were depicted properly, then it cannot remain in the same place. 
it, it doesn't work this way that even that should be flying apart as well, but it's not, it's organized, it's repetitive. And, uh, but to go back to the, the eclipse idea. So in the book of Enoch, and I only uh, will trust the first book of Enoch, it says these two great lights are equal size. It says that it doesn't say that in the Bible, but it says that in the book of Enoch and Enoch is quoted uh, in the Bible himself. He's quoted uh, several times. And I think the book is quoted one time. So there's a Bible verse about the book of Enoch, but the book of Enoch is not considered part of the, the modern Bible. So I won't take a stand on whether it's inspired or not, but I know this, I, I think they're equal size. And again, that's a supposition based on all these other suppositions that have fallen away based on me investigating uh, things like the flatness of, of the water. Now let, let's look at some characteristics of water for a moment. We talked about it yesterday too. And that is that water always goes from a higher, it goes from a higher elevation altitude to the lowest place it can go. It always does that. So it's always being pressed down. And then wherever we see it, it's flat. And we have, we have video of, you know, uh, non-commercial private, uh, privately funded rockets going to 110,000 feet doing a 360 degree video pan and it's nothing but flatness all the way around yeah. at 110,000 feet. That's impossible. There's, it just cannot be. It's, it's in outer space already, right? According to the worldly scientism system. So uh, where was I going with that? Okay. So uh, help me out, Grant. Um, me, me help you out. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> we were talking about eclipses. Oh, oh you were talking about oh, eclipses, yeah. but yeah. I was, I was pressing the, in, in on the, yeah. I was pressing in on the, the flatness of the water, characteristics of the water. So, so the, uh, and then the water has to be contained. On the eclipses, they're predictive. We can know uh, where they're going to be. And, oh, that was a, a point I wanted to make to you, Sebastian, is that the footprint of the eclipse, like the last one that crossed the United States, I think was 90 miles across. The footprint, the shadow, right? Yeah. yeah. But if, if the moon is a quarter million miles away, you do just do this experiment with a tennis ball and a flashlight. The farther away it goes, the bigger the shadow is, right? Yeah. Not smaller. So if this moon is a big object, which they suppose it is, and it's a quarter million miles away, why would it be 93 you know, miles or 90 miles across? We have this huge light at 93 million miles away. And the, the shadow should not be just only a 90 mile footpath across the United States. It's impossible. It, it cannot, cannot do that. Mm. That doesn't make any sense. And, and why are we able to continually predict where they are and where they go? That's impossible too. Well, because we know that they move between uh, the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn, we know where they intersect. And I used to have a wonderful little video. It showed that movement, that animation showed that movement. Of course, you, those animations, they're, they're just uh, to the world system. That's just a joke. It's just, you know, that's yeah. just your imagination. Yeah, but the CGI that you're presenting to us, the VGI that you're presenting to us, that's truth. Oh, yes, that's science. 
And so it's really, which glasses do you put on? Which glasses do you accept? Do you accept the biblical glasses or the scientific glasses? Now, the, the scientism glass. Now, I, I have no problem using the scientific method. Uh, I, it, yeah, I learned that when I was uh, growing up through the education system. You know, you observe, repeat, uh, record, repeat, observe, record, repeat, theorize. And then, uh, you know, if you see it often enough, we can call it a law. Yeah. Or at least we can call it a theory, right? So, so if we see it, I, when I was growing up, gravity was a law, the law of gravity. It's not, they don't call it a law anymore um, because they're imagining different things that violate that law. We were talking about that too uh, the other day, and that is uh, that electromagnetic force is what presses things to the earth, what holds the water down. Uh, but you cannot hold the water down on a, on a spinning globe. That's impossible. It should spin off. Central pedal, uh, centrifugal and central pedal forces should spin all the water off the face of the earth. Besides the fact that there's a, a huge vacuum out there called space, and we have no solid barrier between space and what we have on the face of the earth. How does that make sense? I mean, we just Elon Musk. Did you see his uh, skit that he did for Saturday Night Live? And yeah. so th they did a little Mars landing skit, right? And so he tells the guy he's out there fixing an oxygen generator on Mars. This guy is, and he's kind of a dorky guy, the, the guy, the space uh, spaceman. And so uh, Elon Musk tells the spaceman, also oh, everybody can see this moment in history and and see, uh, let them get a good look at your face. So the guy reaches up and he takes off his, he takes off his uh, space helmet. He just see, you know, just a, a bloody mess right inside of his helmet because the, the vacuum uh, imploded his head, right? Well, that supposes that space is a vacuum. If space is a vacuum and there's no hard container or barrier between us and that vacuum, we should be getting sucked off the face of the earth. Mm. that's that's not happening either so and when i was explaining to your dad the other day and uh that's why i believed that there was space outside the firmament somehow they were getting through the firmament right and that the hemisphere that the firmament is is what they're calling the globe okay so they're outside the firmament somehow and they're they're outside of that and they're looking to it and it's the Bible describes it like a looking glass, okay? So if it's a looking glass, then that glass is reflecting the image of the face of the earth up on the underside of it, okay? And uh, isn't that a cool imagination, right? But the problem with that, of course, is that, that it's way up there. It's, it's huge. Uh, it, it's got to be way up there. And it's hard. I think it's impenetrable. Uh, just like we've seen at Antarctica, where they've tried to bore through uh, the sky ice that we were talking about, and that is basically yeah. the firmament. And uh, the bore machines keep getting swallowed up by the sky ice. They can't they can't bore fast enough to get through it. Kind of like the super borehole in Russia, they they can only go down eight or nine miles. They, you can't get through it. So yeah. God has us in an enclosed, like true. You know the Truman Show, right? You ever yeah. watch that? So, you know, he was living in this system and we're living yeah. in a system and God's watching the eyes of the Lord are in every place. The earth is his footstool and uh, there's foundations that, 
the Bible talks about the pillars of the deep. And how far does the deep go down? I don't know. I know there's an underworld there, a place where people go uh, to hell that Jesus described that, a place I don't want to go to. I don't want anybody else to go to. And so, uh, yeah, it's just, um, it, it begins to open up all kinds of ideas when you think, well, this isn't at all like they're describing it. Scientism, I mean, the, the scientists that operate according to the worldly system. And if there's a crack here, there's a crack everywhere. So I encourage you to watch a documentary called What uh, a Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon by Bart Sibrel. If it's true we didn't go, then the whole NASA space program is just a hoax. It's just a big pig wash. You know, it's just a bunch of fooey. And people ask me, well, Brother John, why, why would they do that? And I said, well, the money. <laughs> Trump gave them $20 billion a year. That's a lot of money. So it's a, it's a funnel for tax money in, in America, you know. You're listening to Liberty NZ, and uh, that was Brother John McGlone from Kentucky. Uh, John is a, t- a retired 22-year uh, U.S. Navy navigator. Uh, he spent 16 of those 22 years as a navigator, and uh, he was a, a quartermaster when he retired from the U.S. Navy. And uh, so John was talking about biblical cosmology, um, the cosmology of the world, um, which cosmos means world, <laughs> how the world works, worldology, uh, from a biblical uh, standpoint, from what the Bible says. And many Christians don't believe what the Bible says about the biblical cosmology and uh, about how God says the world is and how it works. Uh, they always try to, to um, uh, explain it away using scientism and uh, not real science, because real science, as John mentioned, has to be uh, tested and uh, written about and repeated. So uh, tested, recorded, and repeated. And then you come up with a law, as John said, and uh, or at least a theory. And so it uh, be good to hear more from Brother John McClone from uh, uh, the USA, and uh, he'll be um, speaking to us further in the coming weeks. You're listening to Liberty NZ, and I hope you're enjoying our podcasts. And uh, so don't forget to follow us. Click the follow um, little icon and uh, follow us so that you can receive updates um, in the coming weeks. Thanks very much.